Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. All right, Matthew 16. We're going to do this uh, fairly quickly. I've said that, I don't know, probably a thousand times in my life. And uh, I'm, I'm batting like 0. .08. I don't even know how you say that in batting. I'm not batting 100 even. Um, but we're going to try to do this fairly quickly. And uh, uh, it's going to be good. We're wrapping it up today. Next week we will, well, next week we'll, we'll kind of really wrap it up. We'll do a little table talk, talking around this, the last four or five weeks. How many of you have enjoyed this Upon This Rock series? Has it been good for you to hear it? It's been good for me to kind of talk through this verse and what this verse means. In fact, I think it's become a bit of like a vision uh, verse. It's a, kind of a vision uh, section for us of the Bible where we begin to realize that the goal for us is to know who other people believe Jesus to be. Um, far too many of us have zero clue as to who other people believe Jesus to be. And the reason we don't reach them, and the reason we don't serve them well, and the reason that we get awkward when we invite them to our tables is because we don't know where they stand on anything, and we just want to pigeonhole them as to, well, anyways. And we, we just need to know, who do people believe Jesus is? Jesus wanted to know, not because he was lacking identity or was struggling with, uh, with his identity, but because he, he wanted the disciples to understand. He wanted the disciples to know, because if you don't know who other people believe Jesus to be, then when you start talking about who he is, uh, they won't connect. And so Jesus starts with that question, then he asks the disciples, who do you believe that I am? Who do you say that I am. It's important. Confession has to match revelation. That we, we have to have this thing that comes out of our mouth that, that lives in our hearts. And, uh, and it's such a big part of our salvation. It's a, such a big part of our walking this thing out. Not to prove anything, but it is, it's so important. Uh, the words that come out of our mouth are so important. Again, we tend, to, we tend to make one part of our life spiritual, right? We separate everything from physical, mental, spiritual. And I think that's a bad way to look at life. I think everything we do is meant to build our life. I think everything we do uh, matters, um, and uh, so it's important. In fact, I was uh, listening to a podcast this week around uh, COVID and talking about the second leading indicator of, of death with COVID, and it's tragic. The second leading indicator is fear and anxiety and worry. I want you, I want you to think about that, and what have we been put into over the last 12, 18 months? You got a ticker on the screen that tells you, Every time someone dies, all they're doing, and I'm not telling you that this is, I'm not telling you this is all evil. I'm just saying to you that we as the church have to be people who are not living in fear. That doesn't mean to not take things seriously. It doesn't mean to, to act like the, the thing doesn't exist. That's, that's also ignorant. But to, but to act, uh, but to realize that fear, actually, there's no joke here. When you begin to live with anxiety and worry, it actually suppresses your immune system. Your body can't operate well when you've convinced it that it's not good. And so there's this confession of our mouth that has to match what's in our hearts. So Jesus goes, hey, who do you believe that I am? Well, you are the Messiah, the Savior, and the Son of the living God. Two different things. They're not the same thing. They were both meant to speak to a different thing of the day. So one was meant to say, you are the Christ, because there's a dude down the road who thinks he is the representative of God. His name, it's not his name, but his title was Caesar. So he goes, no, 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 you're the Christ. And then he says, you're the son of the living God because you're, a, you're above, you're not just a man, you are God. So there's a title. So when you hear Jesus Christ, and I think some of you may know this, some of you may not, Jesus is his name, Christ was his title. 
Christ is taught. In fact, Old Testament, you would have seen different Christs because they were, uh, it was a title of someone who had come to bring freedom and liberation. So, uh, so there's this important statement that's being made by Peter in his revelation. And then Jesus says, oh, you're blessed because you have the revelation, not from men, but from God. You have this revelation of who I am. Oh, you are blessed to be envied by the world, to know who really is king. And who really is Savior? Uh, Scott McKnight talks about this. Uh, there's a book called The King Jesus Gospel. I've only read half of it because he's smarter than I am, and it takes me a minute. And, uh, but he talks about the gospel is not one statement. It's not John 3.16. It's all of the gospel of John. The gospel is Jesus showing up and beginning to bring into the earth heaven. And then, and then solidifying it, confirming it, bringing it all together on the cross and in his resurrection. The kingdom has come near he says. The gospel is the gospel. It's the life of Christ breaking heaven into the earth. Right? So there's, there's all these things that are happening. Blessed are you to know that heaven is here and available to you through Jesus Christ. Through the revelation of who I am, you can walk in a different story and a different narrative. This is blessed are you. And then he says what? He says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Right? And the gates of hell will not prevail. And we bind them. Okay, it's good. It's a good song. It's a, uh, it, the gates of hell will not prevail. The power structures and systems of Satan and, and, and hell will not prevail. They will not win. That hell is here and now. We can talk about the other stuff later, but right now we need to deal with it too. We're not escapists. We're not trying to leave the earth. We're trying to bring heaven into it. That's what we've been given to do. That's the point, right? So, so you, you show up at tables and you show up at workplaces and you show up different places bringing heaven. And that's not some weird, like, you know, like carry it into the room. Like, don't get weird about it. But you, you as a follower of Jesus with the Holy Spirit in you, are, are created and made to bring into this space life and hope, presence of God. All right. And so then he says this other phrase, and this is the part we're going to read today. This is the part we're going to hit, and I'm going to do my best to be done in just a couple moments. All right. He says in verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. The forces of death will not overpower it. Verse 19, I will give you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is already bound. So this is the Holman Christian Standard Version. Some of yours may read it differently, okay? Uh, different, different tenses, right? Different present past tense type. And this actually, the way this is written is like seven words long to describe the tense of it. So I'm not even going to do it. Uh, but the idea is that, that what is already bound on, on, in heaven, you bind it on earth. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven, do you ever read verses like this and you're like, oh, so you're leaving it up to me? Not really. And yes. Um, I don't know if you've ever, um, in fact, the, re the reference here is of, uh, of uh, the number, like kind of the, the key person under a king. And, and it, it would have been uh, the household uh, would have been given, the keys would have been given over to the, like the leading servant, the number one, the, the person who was going to run the house was given the keys to the house. It wasn't technically his house, but he had the keys, the authority to operate within this house in the ways that the owner would. Does that make sense? 
So like heaven isn't mine in the sense that I rule over it, but heaven is mine in the sense that I've been given keys to release it. So like th- this isn't this isn't me sitting going, "Oh, sweet. So I that throne was looking a little empty. Let me take a seat and begin to command all you people." No, it's it's to go it's it's uh when my parents would go out of town and leave us kids alone. That didn't happen. Uh but they, there would be someone who was going to watch us while they're gone, and they would, get, they would get the keys to the house. And we were meant as children to, to listen to the person that they had given, what, authority to. And the keys represented a certain level of authority. They didn't give the keys to me. Right? They, key, they gave the keys to the person who was going to be responsible for what would happen within the context of that house. It wasn't that person's house, but they had the authority to open it and close it. I remember uh, I was like 1 o'clock in the morning one time, and we had, I think we had just done youth, and I was a youth pastor years ago, and uh, we're outside. We have all the, the three or two or three cars are still there. The headlights are on, and, um, and this cop rolls up on us, you know, and they always got to point their lights at you, you know. Um, I got to ask Bradley what that's all about because, he was one, and you know, like you just like they, the just right, right at you, like could you, like just come over here, you know, like pull next to me. But I get it; I understand there's some safety issues there. So uh, pulled right up one o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. We're outside the building where we had done youth that night, but it's a pretty nondescript building. All it looked like was a bunch of uh, hoodlums like about to do something they shouldn't do. Who parks in a warehouse district at one o'clock in the morning, right? And he kind of pulls up on me and doesn't believe anything I'm saying. Uh, I'm like, man, I, I, yeah, no, we just did church here. Seriously, dude? You did what? Yeah, we led youth to Jesus. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not sure about that. And the only thing I could think of was to pull out the key to the door. Because I didn't have any papers that said I owned the building, because I didn't. I didn't have any papers. I didn't sign the lease. I didn't make the payments. All I knew is that I could get in and out of this building without any issue. I just pulled out the key. I said, I could, I could show you inside if you want. And the only thing I could think was, if I have the key, then maybe that will communicate some level of authority. And so Jesus looks at the disciples and goes, hey, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Oh, man, couldn't you just give that to Johnny and make sure he does it all? I mean, I like having the keys, but I also means I got to use them. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, and then I'm going to make sure that you have the authority. So what does Jesus do even with the disciples before he leaves? Before he leaves, I I give you this so that you might go into all the world healing people, bringing life and hope and joy, and baptizing people in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm giving you the authority to go do what I set in motion. Now, there is something significant because the argument around Peter is, is he the only one Jesus gave keys to? Is he the only one? That is, that is built, the, the church is built upon, and it's successive. So there's a, there's a, a papacy, there's the, 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 the popes, right? You've got this kind of thing. Is that what it is? And there's been an argument around church and, and around that. Um, but there is something about this moment that is important because what you find out in Acts is Peter goes into the earth and begins to bring the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? What did Jesus say it was? It's a big question. It was a big question, because if I went around the room and asked you guys what would be the answer, we'd all kind of come up with a different answer. Well, it's, it's when you, you know, that you're a sinner and that Jesus died and rose again so that you could have new life, and all you got to do is raise your hand, and it's all good. 
right? Or there's all kinds of different ones. But what did Jesus say? What did Jesus quite literally say the gospel was? What was the first thing he said out of his mouth? He says, repent. Because why? The kingdom has arrived. You have, you have set up a different kingdom that isn't working. How many of you understand now whether you elected somebody on November 6th or didn't elect somebody on November 6th? Let me just tell you something. They, neither one was going to work forever. They were all going to fail. The reality of the situation is that every kingdom man tries to set up, man tries to set up and say, well, oh, we finally arrived, has a moment in time over all the course of history where there's a schism, things change, things shift, because the foundation is man-made. The foundation is Jesus, then it doesn't matter what happens around me, the kingdom is still present, the kingdom is still near. Jesus doesn't come into a nice, cute time where everybody's having a good old time and everybody's hanging out together and nobody has any problems with one another. And No, when Jesus showed up, there were all kinds of divisions, all kinds of different belief systems, all kinds of different subjugations in the ways people were treated. Even if you talk about the sexual ethic of the time, it was so much more perverse than anything you and I. In fact, everything. I don't care, progressive, liberal, conservative, doesn't matter it doesn't matter. If you were to look back at the sexual ethic of the time, you would all be disgusted. It was terrible what was happening at the time Jesus showed up in the earth. Jesus didn't show up at the time when everything was easy. He showed up at the time where everybody was divided. Everybody hated each other. Everybody had a reason to look at the other person and say, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, only me. I'm good, you're bad. We seem to be doing a lot of that now. And Jesus shows up in the earth right in this moment and says, I'm the son of the living God. I'm the Messiah. In fact, his disciples say it. And he says, I want to I give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going I'm to give you a way in and a way out. But I, the, if we read the verse as though it is just so I would have the keys. and What happens in Acts is Peter, in Acts 2, we see Peter preach to the Jews. Right? They've all come in for a festival, biggest festival of the year. They're all filling the streets. Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter 2. Peter gets out on the balcony and begins to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom. Hey, you did all this, you did all this, you did all this, but Jesus came to show up and to be, to be the one. He, he rose and he, he came back so you might have life and life abundant. He came, did all this. Thing. Acts 2, he preaches to the Jews. Acts chapter 8, he preaches to another group called the Samaritans. The Samaritans begin to accept Jesus Christ. Up until that point, nobody really thought that was ever going to happen. It was only for the Jews. Only for the insiders, only for the ones that had been read about in the Old Testament. It's only for them. It's only for the people of Israel. That's the only person. But Jesus started to push back against that at the well with a Samaritan woman. Right? He begins to push back upon that when he, when he helps a woman caught in adultery. He, he begins to push back on this idea even when he flipped the tables in the outer courts of the temple, which is the only place the Gentiles were allowed to hang out, and he said, make room for more people. He's beginning to tell you that this is for more than just the chosen. 
So he, he preaches to the Samaritans. The Samaritans, what happens with the Samaritans is that they were a people group that after um, another group had come in and defeated them, the Samaritans hung around in that region after that, per, the, after that group had left, and they didn't leave, and then they began to intermarry. And so the Jews thought that they were, they were, they were only half Jew. They weren't really Jews. So they, they looked at them with, with, with distaste. They said, oh, you, you, guys are, oh, you guys really aren't the real deal. Come on, Christians. You you don't really know God like I do. You don't really know him. I go to church every week. You don't get to be here. But Jesus goes, oh, no. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth is already loose in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Okay? And, and Peter takes this idea, takes these keys, the gospel, the good news that the kingdom is near, that Jesus has opened up the doors. And he takes it first to the Jews in Acts chapter 2. Then he takes it to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. And then in Acts chapter 10, he takes it to another group called the Gentiles. That's, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much everyone in this room. That was pretty much anybody who wasn't a Jew. So you, so you went from the way inside Peter preaches to the Jews and says this is the kingdom. Then he goes to the Samaritans who are kind of like halfway and not really sure. People didn't really like him. Jews and Samaritans didn't really get along very well, right? It's the, it's the good Samaritan story. It's this, it's this whole thing. They weren't really, they weren't really friends. And, and then you go all the way out. And the, I, bet, I bet there's probably some Samaritans and Jews. The Jews looked right past the Samaritans to look at the Gentiles and go, you aren't in either. You definitely aren't in. I, I might be able to get down with some of these Samaritans, but definitely not the Gentiles. And here comes Peter, Acts chapter 10, begins to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And what happens? What's happening in, as, as the gospel is preached through, the, through all of Acts? What's happening? Well, the keys are going into the door that many had thought had been shut, and he's opening the gates of heaven. He's opening the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's interesting. When people give me the keys for something, I never think of when I'm going to shut the door. I only ever think of when I'm going to open it. Like when I got the keys to our house, I didn't go, oh, I can't wait to lock the door. When you get the keys to your car, I don't go, oh, man, I can't wait till I get out. No, what's, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you get the keys to something? I can't wait to put the keys in, unlock the door, and open it. I think too many of us, we get the keys to the kingdom, and the first thing we think about is, who am I keeping out? Who, who can I keep from the table? Jesus, Jesus the, the way he reached people was eating and drinking. Got a table, put some people. He, he ate with the Pharisees. He, he ate with, we, just, we love to hate on the Pharisees. Jesus sat at the table with them. I mean, he, he had some harsh words for them too, but, but he sat at the table with them. He sat at the table with Zacchaeus. He sat at the table with Pharisees. He sat at the t- table with people who were hurting and broken, people who were Gentiles, Samaritans, Jews. Jesus was, was kind of like, I'm going to open up the kingdom to all people. And the key to the kingdom is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. Do we have other things to sort out? Sure. Maybe, yeah, we probably need to sort out some things. Once we get this house going and we're starting to set up the furniture, we might need to talk about who's doing the chores and what's allowed and what's not allowed and all those things. And I get that. I actually fully understand that. I, I, don't, I don't know why people always go, well, I don't think there should ever be right and wrong. Well, then why do you make coffee a certain way? Why do you get frustrated when the car isn't set right? 
You can't sit where your wife gets in and adjusts the seat. Can I hear an amen? Why do you not like it when the air conditioning is not set to the perfect temperature? We all have some standards for things. But, but we, the reason they get out of sorts is because they're built on a foundation that's loose to begin with. So your standards go up and down all over the place. They change from week to week, month to month. They change from president to president. All of a sudden, the things you were saying eight months ago aren't true anymore. You're going to use the same argument the person you were arguing with is using now. You're going to use it. It's mind-blowing. Why? Because the foundation's loose. The foundation is not who's in office. The foundation is not what's in my bank account. The foundation is not whether I'm doing well or not doing well. The foundation is Jesus. And the keys that open up life and joy and hope and peace and grace and healing and freedom and forgiveness are not your traditions. They are not your style. They are not which worship music you like this week or next week. It is not whether you think masks work or don't work. It does, it's none of that. My God. It is Jesus. That is it. And from there, we can work our differences out. That's what Paul does throughout the letters. Most of what he's doing here, there's two things he's doing. One, reminding you Jesus is supreme and sufficient. That's number one. And number two, he's going, okay, so now let's work together and figure it out. Why does he say in 1 Corinthians, you're not mature enough for the things I want to give you? And how does he prove that? Because you still have envy. You're still arguing with each other all the time. You're still yelling at each other. You still got all these things that you hold against one another. That was his sign that we hadn't matured yet. What did you think about that? And then I want you to think about last week and what you posted. I want you to think about what's happening on your street. Do you, do you know what's happening on your street? Have you walked your street in the last six months? Have you shaken a hand with a neighbor? Have you waved? Have you seen that coworker crying and done anything about it? I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I'm trying to remind you of something. You have keys. You have keys. The church has keys to a kingdom that is the only flipping answer for the city and the street you live on. So I want to say stronger words, but I'm a Christian. And we got a live stream, and it lives in perpetuity. We have keys to a kingdom where life has already been loosed. And death has already been bound. And we're down here squabbling around, well, oh, I want to lose something else. No, you got keys to open doors, to let life out, to bring hope and mercy, to bring grace and truth, to forgive and let go, to be long-suffering, to keep no record of wrong. Don't you dare start using your gifts until you've started showing love. This is what it is to be a believer. What it is to plant your feet upon the rock of Christ Jesus and build a house and become a tree that grows so big that people can find rest in it. It is to put your own opinions and your own agendas and your own ideologies on the back burner and saying, this is the kingdom. And there's life here. There's joy here. 
Even if I am saying it with an angry face. There is grace here. There should be people in this room that you don't agree with. There should be people in this room who you don't like their lifestyle. There should be people in this room who would post things very different than you, vote for people very different than you, walk through different experiences than you, and they should all be welcome in this place. We all should clap at it. Here's the question. Will you use the keys? Will we use the keys? And in a time where everybody's trying to lock people out, well, they didn't like this, they might as well die. Oh, good riddance for them. Oh, well, just... This isn't the kingdom God wants. The kingdom God wants is to lean over when a woman's about to be stoned for something we're not even sure she was, she might have been forced into that. The time of the day, this is, it was all kinds of wrong happening in this moment. Jesus leans down and says, get up, sin no more. This is, this is the kingdom. This, that wasn't him locking a door. That was him unlocking a door and saying, all right, you're in. Mark 2 says this, I told you I was going to be done. Brad said, how much time you need? I said, well, I'm, I could lie to you. Okay, Mark 2, the, the men, band can come on up because we are going to close. The, the, Mark 2, the men carry the, the lame man up the building, down into the thing, and, and, uh, and Jesus heals him. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says something really, really, really profound, and I still don't know what it means. I'm still wrestling with it. He says, because of your faith, he has been made well. What do you think about this? That, to me, sounds like the keys. Because of your faith, he's been, he hasn't prayed the prayer. He didn't raise his hand at the end of the service. He didn't do, any, he didn't do anything. He just, like, he couldn't even fight. Even if he didn't want to be there, he was going to be there. Lord, him in. And Jesus doesn't look at him and say, you did it right. You did it. Oh, looked up at them and said, by your faith, he has been made well. Oh, church, we got the keys. We got the keys. I'm going to quote a movie that I saw yesterday with my boys. Smurfs 2. I wrote it down. Legit, I wrote it down. I need to go back to it now that I close my binder. I'm going to close with this. this I'm going to close with Papa Smurf. Yo, Smurfs 2 was legit. It was good. We didn't believe in her because she changed. She changed because we believed in her. What if you believed that God can change people? What if you believed that even if he didn't change them, when you wanted them changed, when you wanted it different, when you wanted it different, that he still loved them, was so glad they were at your table? Because of your faith, because of your faith, because of your faith, your street will be made well. Because of your faith, your friends will find hope. Because of your faith, because you got the keys. Right? This is Oprah. There will be a day when this doesn't work anymore. She, did, she had this television show. You got the keys. You got the keys. You got the keys. We all have it. Why don't you stand this morning? We're going to close. 
Are you spending too much time trying to close doors? Are you spending too much time using the keys of the earth's kingdoms, trying to keep people out? Are we putting the key in the door, the kingdom of heaven, opening it up and loosing all the things that have already been loosed in heaven? And then when someone brings death, despair, anxiety, worry to your table, you begin to pray. And one of the best ways to bring freedom into a tough situation is first listen. Be at the table. But one of the best ways to displace things is to bring light into a situation. It's not to just give positive speak to walk through the things that you've walked through, to share your story, to share the things that have happened in your life. The end result of the story of the man being lowered in the house is that he runs out the building, screaming and yelling, and they all go, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. Share your story. Share what God's done in your life, even in the last week, two weeks, two months, two years. Man, I think of all the people in the room just right now that have stories to share. You have keys to the kingdom. Let's not grow the circle smaller. Let's get it bigger and bigger and bigger. Let's be Acts 2, then Acts 8, and then Acts 10, and then Acts 16, where he goes into the rest of the world. Amen? Come on, just put your hands to heaven. Lord, we pray right now as we close today. God, I pray that you would, that you would give us, you would give us the keys to the kingdom. In fact, Lord, you've already done it. I pray that as we walk this thing out, as we walk into our week, as we walk into the days ahead, Lord, we would surrender our life to you. And that, Lord, whatever you've loosed in heaven would be loosed in the earth. Whatever you've bound in heaven would be bound in the earth. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come. Lord, we pray that your will would be done on the earth as it already is in heaven. God, we pray for healing. We pray for grace. We pray for hope. We pray for trust. We pray for faith. But we pray for belief. We pray for new life. We pray for new grace. God, we thank you that you are with us now. In Jesus' name, we have the keys. So let heaven come. In Jesus' name.